opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You gotta fight both night and day. Doesn't matter what some people may say. Don't be the lunch crap, be the lion's roar. Cause love is worth fighting for. I know love is worth fighting for. Love is worth fighting for. Good morning, you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Fighting for Love. This show will help you turn conflict into collaboration in all your relationships. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank, an attorney mediator since 1985. She's the author of several books, including Negotiations, Breakthroughs, and Fighting for Love. She's a mediator for the Orange County Superior Court Civil Mediation Panel, and she mediates business, employment, divorce, privacy, and other civil cases in her private practice in Laguna Niguel, California. Mari's a professor of negotiations and conflict management and has been a certified state bar trainer for over 25 years. She teaches leadership and conflict management courses at Brandman University and here at UCI, and she trains corporate leaders powerful communication and conflict transformation skills. To learn more about the show and our great guests, please visit conflicthealing.com. Mari, what's your show? about this morning? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about how to profit from happiness. And we have a young man who actually just turned 25 a couple days ago. And he wrote this wonderful book called Profit from Happiness, which I read. It's uh, The subtitle is The Unity of Wealth, Work, and Personal Fulfillment by Jake Ducey. He's also the author of a couple other books, Into the Wind, The Purpose Principles, and then, of course, this new book. Profit from Happiness. And he speaks throughout the country, everywhere from middle schools to TEDx conferences. And he speaks about consciously and responsibly creating our lives. So you can find out more about him at jakeducey.com. That's J-A-K-E-D-U-C-E-Y.com. And also at our website at conflicthealing.com where you can see his picture he just turned 25, and young, handsome man, and his uh, JPEG of his book, and a little bit about him, and we link to his website as well at jakeducey.com. So, Jake, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm so impressed, as I told you before we started, that you're a very evolved young man. Must have been around uh, several lifetimes. So, so uh, tell me, why is it that you wrote this book? I know you wrote two other books. How come you decided to write this book? Well, a lot of the work that I do is with small business owners and large Fortune 100, Fortune 500 companies. And one of the common threads that I saw when company would hire me to come out, whether it's to give a speech or do, you know, more in-depth training or seminar is they'd give me the tour before and they would say, that's our MVP over there. But by the way, he's also the reason you're here. What do you mean he's the reason that I'm here? Well, we're having a lot of trouble with him and his team's not doing so well. Mm. Basically that 
he was a great worker, a terrible leader, um, and had no ability to step outside of himself and be a genuine leader. And I thought it was so ironic that they would literally award people like that MVPs, and we do all the time, on hard work, and we neglect um, the real essence, which is being a leader. And this isn't just airy-fairy. The U.S. economy loses $550 billion every year due to productivity loss, due to about 2 million Americans quitting well-paying jobs every month, not because they don't like them, but because they don't feel empowered, connected, seen, heard. And Harvard's done studies where they've seen that people that are stimulated, appreciated, empowered, perform something like 65% better than those who aren't. And so there's a there's a genuine effect on bottom line, and across the board, I don't see it being discussed. So I, I wrote a book about ways to increase connection, team building, and become a leader, no matter your title, no matter your job occupation, no matter where you are on the ladder, quote-unquote, of success. Yeah. You know, I, I love the fact that you're you're looking at this from a young person's perspective and there have been you know we've got so many din- different generations too and the the fact that we need to understand each other just like we have to understand each other's culture this is another form of culture. You know, I grew up, you know, and I was, you know, a, a child of the 60s, you know. So I'm, I'm one of these baby boomers. And, of course, very different in the, the way when we went to, to school, we had certain things that we were supposed to do. And, you know, uh, it's, a different, it's a different world out there. So, you know, we know that you're of that generation that would understand that. So that's really helpful to help these so-called leaders to understand who their workforce is. So the millennials are, as you've said, 36% of the workplace, and they will be 75% of the workplace in 2025. Yet I know even my kids, you know, want to be satisfied. And 60% of these millennials will be leaving their companies within three years and management just doesn't know what to do with it or, or why. So maybe you can help us understand why and what should be done. Um, well, it doesn't matter what your age range or where you're from. I've been all over the world and I've worked with, with independent business owners, transformational authors and healers to executives. And at the core, everyone wants to be fulfilled. So I don't think it's isolated to millennials. Just right, right. All we need to do is look at the statistics. But Marshall Goldsmith did a major study with Accenture and they pulled like I forget what it was tens of thousands of millennials that are in corporate America and they pulled a lot of these high achieving young people and what they what they asked them um, and what they came to the conclusions was would you rather be paid more money or take less money and work for something you believed in and it was like 75%, 85% of millennials would rather take less money and work for some place where they felt the environment was conducive to their development, their growth, and they actually believed in it. And that's a really important thing because there are a lot of companies that 
say what they don't do. Mm-hmm. They they say things, but they don't do what they actually believe. And we're coming into a time where whether you're an entrepreneur, you're you're an author, marketplaces are competitive in any industry. And we're coming into a place where you have to say and do what you actually believe. Otherwise, trust is informed. Trust is the birthplace of, of teams. It's the birthplace of the marketplace. And slowly but surely, employees, whether they're young or not, will start to say, I don't know if I trust them because they say this, but they're doing this. Uh And slowly but surely, people lose productivity. They lose belief in what they're they're doing and bottom line fails. Yep. You know, I remember years ago, well, my parents were entrepreneurs, so they did what they loved, and that was good. So I was part of that. Then I grew up, and I became, you know, after I became an attorney, I have been an entrepreneur myself. I worked for a short time for the DA's office and a short time, you know, for a law firm, and then I went out on my own. And and basically, I could see when I do consulting in corporations, sometimes, you know, people would just, they had like a dual life. They would go to work, make the money, and then try and have fun on the side. But I think what you're talking about and what I believe in as well is when you're really doing what you love, it's not really like work. (laughs) It's like fulfillment. It's like be doing what your purpose is in life and it it's not as much about just the dollar the bottom line dollar right yeah and i, I mean i think also you know there are people listening that might be five thousand dollars in debt one hundred twenty five thousand dollars in debt and you have two kids and a wife and a mortgage and two cars you're paying for so to do what you love in the traditional sense may not be possible, but what I um, am hired by companies is to create a new meaning around what, what you're doing, right? At the core, it's not certain tasks and things and job occupations that we want. It's a core desired feeling. It's certain things that we think this money, this job, this type of lifestyle traveling the world will give us. Mm-hmm. And those core desired feelings are always the same. It's fulfillment, it's fulfillment, it's a sense of connection between people, it's feeling empowered, acknowledged. It's a genuine connection between people. And what I found is it doesn't matter whether you're at a job you don't foresee yourself at five years from now. It's not your long-term plan. You can today show up in that place and become of such value um, as a person, as an energy in that environment that you naturally become a leader. You can grow your income through your value. You can be that person where you notice my presence is felt. And that's how we increase our self-image, our confidence. And slowly but surely, we can grow in our confidence where we can get a promotion or an opportunity that suits us more, can pay us what we want, and it suits our lifestyle. Or we slowly grow in our, in our image and our confidence and our skills and our ability to become a leader, and eventually we venture off on our own. So what the book is about is practical ways right now, right, without changing anything in our life except for the way we show up in our daily interactions to increase our sense of purpose, our fulfillment, our connection, and and our sense of, of, of value. You know, I, I find it so interesting when you talk about a, a sense of connection because that's what I try and do myself in my own life with my with my clients, with my workshops, is that connection. And, and yet I see the young people... And I worry about this, and I wonder how you feel about this, that when you're 
texting and you're even sitting at dinner. I see a couple, a young couple, instead of talking, they're texting back and forth. And they're doing things that don't seem to be a genuine connection. It's, it's a lot of electronic connection. And I'm just wondering how, how that coincides and how con- congruent that might be for young people. What do you think? Oh, well. I think that um, well, look, it's a, it's 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 obviously a far cry because we wouldn't we 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 wouldn't be so disconnected or quote unquote connected through through online means solely if we had things that um, if we had things that gave us that genuine set, sense of connection. Oh. Um, do I think that the cause of that is social media? No, I think it's a deeper social and cultural, um, it's an escapism uh-huh. um, for a lack of our day-to-day lives bringing us that. And so I think that just like some people go to, um, to, to drinking, some people go to marijuana, some people go to hard drugs, some people go to a excessive workout and and they and they work out way too much right and some people scroll on on their phones for four hours a day these are all the cases that we use to not deal with um a lack of meaning in our lives and a lack of excitement we feel trapped and stressed and the quickest way to get out of that is to not feel it and so I think really what it is is a symptom of us not sitting with really how we feel in our lives, whether you're 14 years old or whether you're 65, right? It could be wine or it could be social media. It doesn't, it could be TV, it could be five hours of reality TV. It, the fact is that we haven't created, uh, we haven't been taught to um, to deal with our feelings. Instead, mm-hmm. we, we, instead of dealing with the stress now, mm-hmm. we find ways to escape and then the residual effects of that stress um, are a lot more detri- detrimental to our to our uh, to our life and our and our sense of freedom that we crave yeah it's such a it's such a dramatic change like that I've seen over my life you know and one thing I really love the the, the social media of Facebook I mean I've had au pairs that help me raise my kids that live in Denmark that I'm I can connect with them and get a kick out of seeing their kids so on one hand I'm connecting like I've never connected before you know and then on the other hand if there's you know when I call my kids they text me back instead of call me back so you know it's just it's such a dichotomy we are connected but we're not really connected and that kind of gets to the whole issue of really what you seem to talk about in your book although you don't call it that is emotional intelligence let's talk about the the first of all what you call um an everyday hero you want to explain what you mean by an everyday hero yeah i mean we have an opportunity you have an opportunity right now to increase your sense of connection um which is really what everyone craves right i'm an a-type personality and i'm sure there's a lot of people that are and i and i work with clients that have three porsches why do they have them it's because they're using external measures to try and fix an internal reality Mm -hmm. and that internal reality is we don't want to feel alone. We want to feel valued. We want to feel connected. The simplest way to do that is to look at our everyday life, right? Which is generally, at least when I go into 
large companies is you walk in, I get a tour, everyone has their head down. No one turns to anyone unless you need the paper stapler or unless you need a pen. Mm. No one communicates unless they need something or unless they're doing it out of an obligation of, oh, I'm a bad person if I don't say to the cashier, how are you doing? And we don't really care. We're not really listening. And to me, an everyday hero is to become the type of person that genuinely makes other people feel valued and seen and heard, right? Not because, not for any other reason than that's innately, psychologically, that's what a human being needs. Mm-hmm. It, that's, a baby will die if a baby is not around its mother. It, it, because, because the sense of connection is innate the with, within the archetype of a human. Yeah. And ironically, when we can start to show up in our work environment and be that person that Susie's Susie's not been showing up and being as productive as she could be because her 14-year-old son's been thinking about committing suicide. And we've never even asked her, hey, what, what's going on, Susie? How's it going? Right. Because we're so caught up in our day-to-day tasks that we're not even really present with. Mm-hmm. We're only half present with them. Usually in six hours of work, you could really get it done in 90 minutes if you were actually present with your task. And so we're so caught up on busy work in our that we're losing touch with everyone and everything around us, which Mm -hmm. will, by the way, create that sense of purpose, that fulfillment that we need. It will also increase bottom line. And so I think an everyday hero is that Mother Teresa is a perfect example. She didn't wait until she built a nonprofit. She she wasn't like, once I get a 501c3 (laughs) and once I'm acknowledged as a global healer, She just went out and she just connected and gave love and presence and attention to other people. And over time, it built into this movement. Started Mm -hmm. with a single person. And the same thing is so for for what a leader needs to be, right? That's what every work environment's craving. That's what every soul is craving at Whole Foods and Ralph's is for someone to just stop and say, hey, how's it going? Right. And not swipe their card right away. Wait four seconds and genuinely listen to them. Mm -hmm. And then you see how powerful your presence actually is. See, the problem is most people don't know how powerful the presence actually is. Mm -hmm. And when you get a hold of that, you find more meaning in the everyday tasks. And, oh, by the way, you see you're capable of so much more in your life. And And that's what an everyday hero is to me. And you have, you know, you have these six um, creeds to develop that you're suggesting in the book. So let's go through those, if you don't mind. You know, first you have give to get. These are the names of your chapters, too. Give to get. So what? what is that? Is that the, well, that's the most, Mother Teresa, right? Um, it's, even the, it's even an Elon Musk or Steve Jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be in traditional business here. Um, most people, we're taught that we're paid for our time, but you're not paid for your time. Um, that's why some people, one, two people both work six hours in the day and one person makes $10 an hour and the other person um, makes $35 an hour. Or, mm-hmm. one, per, or, or one person, uh, Warren Buffett, is making X amount, millions of dollars an hour mm-hmm. and someone else is making 825 right. why because one person has brought more value to that hour um justine musk um who was the ex-wife of of, of elon musk founder of tesla paypal 
SpaceX worth billions of dollars. And she was asked by someone, will I become a billionaire? I really want to be one. And she said, you're asking the wrong question entirely. You have to ask yourself, the world doesn't care what you want or need. It doesn't even care about the hours that you work. What the world cares about is the, the need you can solve mm -hmm. and the value to which you can solve that. Mm -hmm. And when we shift our focus on to providing more value, naturally, you're valued at more financially. So even in the sphere of, 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 of money, it's the essential nature. If you don't provide more in use value than you're paid in cash value, the lifeblood of your business is gone. And so to me, it's looking at it from this perspective, right, is, okay, I want to make $100,000. I want to make a million. I want to make $20 an hour. How can I improve my value to offer that much work? Mm -hmm. And looking at it that way, because we're so caught on what we can get that we never step outside of ourselves to actually improve ourselves enough to increase our value. Exactly. The second one you have is share a smile. And this kind of goes back to what you were talking about is is being present and giving that that connection. When you smile at someone, there's an automatic connection, usually. Like if you go into the grocery store like you were talking about and you go, Hi, how you doing today? And you give a smile. That makes that that uh, checker's day a little bit better because you smiled at him, right? It makes your day a little bit better, too. I exactly. mean, if everyone here just listening, right, I don't, I don't think this chapter needs much um, description. If everyone here just right, right here, right now, just smile like this. Everyone just hold your cheeks from ear to ear and smile. <laughs> you can feel your energy change. Right. When your energy changes, your life will change. So I never believe people when they say, well, that's just my disposition. No, you've just naturally been accustomed to not doing that. and You've created that as a habitual way that you show up in the world. Right. And right. when you can start to do that, frankly, Becker, who's one of the greatest insurance salesmen who ever lived and wrote a, one of the best sales books ever called How I Raised Myself from Success to Failure in Selling, has a whole chapter on smiling. He said it was the single greatest thing he learned to close 20, 50, 100 million dollar deals is he would just literally smile the whole time. He'd wake up in the morning, shout, shower, smile in the shower for no reason and, and, and smile on his drive there, the whole meeting. And he noticed that it increased his energy energy and it was infectious on those around him and it's the simplest thing in the world and we know that it feels good but what I'm inviting people to do is not wait for something to make them smile don't wait don't react and wait and hope something good happens to make you smile or someone says something funny or you see something pleasant just right now let's begin that's one thing right now it, it, that everyone in this listening to this that you can go and make someone else smile and you can begin to smile more just step one it's it's the it's the image and symbol the branding symbol of the good life and it doesn't require anything but our own conscious choice I think that's the ma the major word conscious it's a conscious decision to change the way you're thinking if you're in a bad mood and you want to keep in that bad mood or you can think of something that's positive Positive and smile about it. So that's terrific. How about stepping outside of yourself? 
What do you want to um, say? Martin Luther King says that you're never free until you step outside of your personal concerns for the broader ones around you, that you'll always be confined in the prison of yourself unless you can step outside of the narrow confines of yourself for, mm-hmm. for, for those around you. And it's an essential nature of growing the great business. Um, it's an essential nature of being a change maker in the world, whether you want to be in traditional business or you want to do the exact opposite. It's it's just, it's what's necessary to provide a great commercial service is to step outside of yourself. Mm-hmm. Hey, Steve Jobs, I mean, people have everything to say about him, but if you actually read his autobiography, the thing that turned Apple around is that he said, when he finally came back and he said, do you guys care way too much about money? He said, this is about design. It's not about money at all. It's about creating the best design to serve these people in a way that it, that they can't even imagine that they need to be served. Right. And when he created a new culture where everyone stepped outside of what they could get, Apple became a, a dominant force again in the marketplace. And, it, and at one time, it had dropped to under 13% of the marketplace. So he created a whole new culture by having people step outside of themselves. Um, whether it's in a traditional commercial sense and you build a billion-dollar company, or it's Martin Luther King, right? When right. we can step outside of what we need, we'll get what we need, but we'll get so much more, right? I think it's Zig Ziglar says, if you can help enough people get what you want, you'll always get, you always get what they want. Right. You can always get what you want. And so I think that when we can do that, we'll generally find most of our suffering is because we're so focused on ourselves. Well, that leads to the next one is lend an ear, that active listening, that that presence that you were talking about, that conscious connection. Talk a little bit about that. Um, well, I wrote that chapter because I gave a speech to a, uh, a big fortune company. And after the, the speech, um, we'll backtrack. One of the women speaking was Marion Edelman Wright, who was one of Martin Luther King's lawyers and very close friends. Mm-hmm. One of the few people right now that's alive on planet Earth that knows Martin as well as pretty much anyone knew Martin Luther King. And I gave my speech and I was the last speaker and I walked back into the green room and she's standing next to my stuff and her like team or whatever is standing there and one of her team members walks up to me and says excuse me Jake um, Mrs. Wright would like for you to get your stuff and come with her I was like what? She said yes yeah, she mm-hmm. wants to take you out for the day and I said okay and so I got my, they put my stuff in the town car and her and I got in the back seat and we drove around for the whole day and um, obviously the, this is someone who knew one of the greatest leaders and change makers who ever existed on planet Earth, right? Like very few people in the world that have ever touched the face of planet Earth have been greater leaders than this person. He unified tens of millions of people for a single movement Mm -hmm. and changed the legal system. And so I said, um, what made Martin Martin? You know, like what why and I and I expected his his booming charismatic voice and his amazing vision and that just seemed like it was reasonable it's a marketable thing and she said uh his ears he listened and I was like what you know I cleaned my ears out because I was I was expecting something more romantic (laughs) and she said the reason he could get people to put their life on the line for a cause and he united starting with five six people to to tens of millions of people and they were willing to, to die and a lot of them did die is because he wouldn't lead through force 
he led by asking everybody what they thought, listening to people's fears and needs and concerns. He wouldn't even answer. He would just sit there and listen for hours, she said. Mm -hmm. And he developed trust. People said, this guy sees me, he hears me, he cares about me, and I'll die for what he says to do. And that's how he became who he was. So I talk about passive versus, um, or active versus reactive listening. Generally, we're listening to respond. So my invitation is, you know, can we listen to hear? Yes, without thinking about what we're going to say back. But we are just out of time, so it went really quickly, Jake. I just want to tell everybody about this book, Profit from Happiness, The Unity of Wealth, Work, and Personal Fulfillment. And I, we didn't have time to go through all of the steps, but there's two more, so they're going to have to read your book or go to your website. And just give them your website, and then it's time to go, Jake, okay? Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. My name, Jake, U-C-J-A-K-E-D is in David, U-C-E-Y, and that's my website, Jake Ducey, and I hope you guys all have a wonderful day. Okay, thank you so much, Jake. We'll keep in touch, honey. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. We'd love to have you join us for Fighting for Love. Please visit our website at conflicthealing.com and let us know how you like the show and what you'd like to hear more of. And we're just thrilled that you'll join us for our show next week. And remember, the only thing worth fighting for is love. Take care.